Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is your boy, AK, coming to you live, my community, my home. I'm joined today with my co-host. Frank, what's up, everybody? I am so glad to be here. So grateful for this third episode of My Community, My Home, where we go talk to community leaders, talk to people who empower local communities, and really discover what Montreal is about. So tell them where it's at, AK. Well, I'm glad to be here today, and uh, how are you doing, by the way? I'm doing really fantastic. You know, I had a board game last night with some friends. It was really amazing. You know, school's kicking off. Uh, it's my last semester, so it's really amazing. Exciting. I'm super excited to have all this extra time to work on these types of projects, right? Because uh, I feel that, like, Entrepreneurship is really something that you have within you that that's you it. really can't get taught. And that's what really what I see in you. And, and when you came up to me and you were like, hey, Frank, let's start this. I was like so excited. And as we're slowly morphing into more episodes, I feel our synergy kind of going together. Right and on. Then, and then we, we hit up with this gentleman over here. So Sven's, what is up, man? How are man, you? I'm, I'm blessed, man. I'm doing great. Really happy to share my morning with you all. There, uh, there you go. Good. So those uh, for our listeners, uh, we, we have something very, very great for you. We, we joined with uh, Svens uh, Telemac, this is a good friend of mine. Uh, he doesn't need any introduction, but we're going we're gonna to give him some chance to talk to us really how he grew up, you know, because community is very, very important. This is what we stand for, my community, my home. So getting right into it, Svens, welcome to our show. How are you, you doing much. today? Blessed. Thank you very much for having me. Excellent. So we're just going to dive in, you know, community is very important. And, and I read your bio, you, you went through a lot of stuff uh, whilst, you know, you were a kid in the United States. So walk us a little bit, how, how was the community at the time when you were growing up? Man, the, the community in which I grew up was like the walking dead. You get what I'm trying to say? Because you had zombies everywhere. And when I mean zombies, I mean like crackheads. Mm. You know, so looking out my window... It's like I see, you know, parents overshadowed by lack, trying to make ends meet. Looking out my window, I'm seeing addicts that are like in that abyss of addiction. You mm. get me? And then you see other individuals that are just presiding over everything, you know, conquering the whole situation. And mm. I wanted to be like them. Mm. The bad part was those were the people selling drugs. Mm. You feel me? But they seem to be like the predominant figure. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to identify myself as a predominant person in this whole community. So, so basically, you wanted to take a leadership role exactly. in, in that community. But exactly. again, in, in, in a different way of looking at the society, because that is what you were used to, right? Exactly. Uh, in terms of your, your, your community that you were surrounded uh, uh, with. But I think we're going to talk about two faces of you. We're going to talk about your first face of Svens, mm -hmm. you know, before what we know today because a yeah. lot of people look at you today and like I want to be like him but nobody has an idea what kind of stuff you went through mm -hmm. so talk to us a little bit about Sven's 10 years ago oh it would have to be more than 10 years mm. but I'd say about 14 years you know because I came here in 2007 but uh, you know I just was a different man I was a completely different man I'll send you a picture, maybe you'll post it up during your podcast, but mm. I was a completely different man. My, my, I was very egoistic. I was very, uh, man, I just, I didn't see people the same way. Wow. Yeah, I saw people as a means to get what I want, which was money. So I, mm. I didn't see people. Serious. Yeah, I didn't have the same ethics that I have now. I did, there's a lot of things that I didn't see the same, but the main thing would be the way I saw money. Because I was addicted to fast money. 
you know, and that, that was my drug, fast money. And uh, I just put myself in a position where I just preyed on the addiction of all the people around me in my community. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's really, really something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's what it is. I feel like, you know, it, it, what I, it's funny because I had a conversation the other day. Yes. And uh, I was talking to a friend and I realized that before... I put so much value on money before mm. people. Now, yeah. I put so much money, so much uh, value on people mm. rather than money. And so, it's, it's, so just, just the, because this, this is really deep, you know, people yeah. will be listening and, and they're thinking, okay, so the, this guy is one of the lucky few that just went through this and now he's here, he's doing all these great things. But I think there was a, a lot of decisions still that you had to make. Oh, yeah. to, to be able to survive because what you what you're telling me even though people were means for you to get to where you wanted to be yeah you always had to watch your back mm -hmm. oh yeah for sure so so how can a community to which there was a lot of people that are just infighting trying to make a living and you're trying to be on the top how how are you able to sustain yourself in this kind of environment who, who sets up these rules and ways of living who who leads these kind of conversations or is just Everybody doing whatever they want in that community. Everybody do what you want to do. It's just that there's kind of like rules to the game, if you could say that, that you just got to follow by. But that who, sets, who sets the rules? Uh, it's there before you're even there. Mm. So you just go with the flow. The, the thing that I felt like that helped me out a lot was the fact that I was low-key. You got to be low-key. Mm -hmm. If you try to shine and shine and shine, you're just going to provoke jealousy. Absolutely, People yeah. snitch. You get what I mean? Mm. And I and even though I was very low-key, I've almost been kidnapped. I've almost died several times. Wow. You know, I've been jumped. People pulled out on me a couple times when it comes to firearms and all that. But those are things that I expected. You That's get what I'm it. trying to say? So that didn't make me stop. Mm -hmm. What made me stop was the things that I wasn't ready for. Wow. Like, for example, uh, you know, I'm in my community. I'm in my hood, my whatever you want to call it. I get a call, someone wants to buy some drugs, I go to the house, but it's actually a friend. Mm. You know, it's his parents, you know? And I know that his parents used to take his money that his grandma would give him so they could get high because they obviously could not manage their money. They was on a, living in addiction. Wow. And just to clear this up a little bit, you know, there's a big misconception, you know, on the streets and in real life about which type of drugs we're talking about. I'm talking you know? about crack. Right. Some people, yeah. Are, yeah, so we're talking not, not about... Not the Advil. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is not marijuana. We're talking about, you know, yeah, crack, crack cocaine, cocaine, which cocaine, is an crack epidemic. Cocaine, yeah. and, and you lived in Miami yeah. at the time. Okay. And, and in your experience, you know, being in that you know, neighborhood, yeah. uh, I guess everybody sort of uh, thought about themselves first and then thought about other people. So would you say that that mechanism was switched when you, th when you came off the streets, you went from thinking about yourself first to thinking about the community first. So can you tell us a little bit of that lens change? What happened in your mind? What click happened for you to tell yourself, okay, this is the last time I'm doing this because everybody, has, back. Gone, everybody has gone through mm -hmm. that. So what was that experience for you? Uh, it's not, it wasn't just one thing. And, you know, like that transition, like, for example, the story about, um, you know, me going into my friend's house, mm -hmm. I'm going into this house and as I'm walking out, I see my friend walking in <sighs> and he knows why I'm there. Everyone in the community knew who I was and what I was, my role, you know, in this whole thing. So it's like, I see him. Mm. I don't feel like a friend. Right. I don't feel like How a do friend. How you feel? 
I feel like trash mm. because it's like even though you you know even when you're in the street and you you're getting money the wrong way your mindset is like you take care of your tribe mm-hmm. you got yeah. your tribe and then everybody else is like whatever That's you get what I mean you get what I'm trying to say so it's like to, and your friends were in your tribe yeah mm. so to, to the mindset at the time was like yo if she gonna buy it from me she gonna buy it from someone else might as well be me mm-hmm. you get what I'm trying to say mm. so just to see him. And to know that I was benefiting from his situation, that just made me feel like trash, man. Uh, one of the times, uh, the last time I got arrested was for gun possession. So, by the grace of God, I beat the charge. Wow. You know, but when I was uh, incarcerated, you know, while I was waiting to get bailed out, mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the jail cell for the first time. And I've been arrested plenty since I was 15 years old. I've been, but never went to jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Since 15 years old, I've been in and out. I never done time in prison, okay. but I've been in and out of jail. Right, By the right. grace of God, they never like had a, a case on me that really stick. Mm. You get so, what I'm trying to say? So can you separate what jail means versus what prison means? Okay. Because a lot, of th- a lot of people think it's the same thing. No, not at all. I thought it was the same right, thing. Right, no. but it's not. So. Okay, so in the States, the way we function is like this. If it's less than a year, you're doing jail time. Okay. You know, which is like a uh, center that could be in your community, mm-hmm. right? But if you're doing uh, a year and a day, you're going to prison. Mm. And if you're in prison, you're with different types of criminals. Mm-hmm. You're in different. Yeah. You're with different types of criminals in jail too. There's all types of people there, processed. Mm-hmm. You know, waiting to find out if they're going to prison or not. Okay. You got some people in jail like longer than longer than a year because the, the court system is so backed up. Mm-hmm. They keep getting resets and resets and resets. They're not going to house these uh, individuals in prison just yet because you're not sentenced. That's it. But you'll stay in the jail system. But wow. in the you know to make a long story short, when you're doing less than a year, you're doing time in jail. You're doing more than a year, you're going to prison. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, again, this is uh, Sven Stelmach. It's it's just the beginning of this uh, wow. this interview. What a beginning! Amazing, and and for me, I'm I'm learning a lot of things out of what he's saying because you have to understand, irrespective of the environment we're in, it takes a community to either do good or, or to bad. do bad. Yeah, and so seven, I mean, Sven's uh, looking forward now. That was your past, mm-hmm. and this is who you are today. Yeah, could you? You know, just going back to Fran's question, you know, the time that you made that move, obviously, when you were going through the change, you knew that this life definitely wasn't for me. What made that change? Did you have to change your community for you to be able to make the change? Or you had to stay in the same environment and still make that change? All right. To answer your question, it's... uh It's a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like I was saying, like the last time that I got incarcerated, there was someone in my community that uh, used to sell firearms. Mm -hmm. So he worked in a, uh, I don't want to put him out there like that, but he worked at a a business. And through that business, everybody knew him. You know what I mean? So he would sell pistols and stuff like that. He'd let you know what he have on the market you buy. Mm -hmm. That person got caught up uh, like with a murder case. Mm-hmm. And I was with him in the holding cell in oh, jail. Okay. Because he just got arrested. I heard about it, mm-hmm. where it got to me. And looking at his vibe in that holding cell, I could see him literally going through hell because he knew he's going to spend the rest of his life mm-hmm. in prison. You know what I mean? There's no doubt about it. 
like with the evidence that they had. So it's like I'm seeing this individual going through hell. And for the first time, I'm in jail and I'm like, man, do I really want to be here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You get me? That's when I really, it really hit me, you know, because when you're living a life like that, you're moving so fast. That you don't really think about these things. Mm. That's it. That's you don't. It. You don't it. slow down and think like, okay, this is my second arrest, my third arrest, mm -hmm. whatever. You just like you keep moving. Mm. You keep moving because you expect to be arrested. So well, it's not. It. It's not like a big shot. Normal. Yeah. Normal for you. You give your friend some money. You're like, yo, when I get arrested, bond me out. That's wow. how I would function. You get what I'm trying to say because I know it's gonna happen. I just don't want to scramble like Frank. So you would just prepare yourself yeah, all the way. Because they're going to arrest you. Whether, they, whether wow. they find drugs or not. And that, that has happened to me too. So mm. Like they don't find drugs and then they arrest me and say I have drugs too. Because they know what I'm doing. So for people that don't know, uh, bail is when uh, you get arrested and you get, uh, you're thrown in jail and you can actually get bailed out with X amount of, of money. Exactly. So depending if it's first, second, or third demeanor, you'll get charged a substantial amount more. So it can be anywhere from $1,000 to $500,000, depending on what crime you've committed. Yeah, and who you are too, right? Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. there's a lot of learning going on right here. But talk to us a little bit, who is Svez today? So now, I, I, I know if we took a picture, we showed it to... You know, your old friends that are in jail today, they're going to look at you and associate you to whatever was going on you yeah. know, in the past. But today, looking at yourself, you know, when you look in the mirror, who is Svens? Tell us who you are today. Man, I'd say uh, Svens Telemach today is uh, a product, not necessarily of my community, but a product of... Uh, who I choose to be, like a product of mm -hmm. the different uh, different things that I've used to become who I am. You That's know, I'm not a religious dude, but I'm a product of God and what God mm. says. Who God, you know, what He says, who I am. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm a product of uh, Miles Monroe. I'm a product of all of these different reference points that I choose to be the guiding post of my life. Wow! Because before my guiding post, my reference, my points of reference all had something in common. Mm -hmm. You know, they were all under common ground. Mm -hmm. Six feet. Wow. You know what I'm trying to say? So it's like, that was the issue, my reference points. Right. What successful looked like to me, what was a leader and all of these type of things. So following these people, even though that I felt like, you know what, I see them going through the same things. They're going to jail. Some of them are dying. Mm -hmm. You know, some are paralyzed. Some are in wheelchairs. This, mm -hmm. is that. For some reason, I felt like I was going to be the exception to the rule mm -hmm. because I was low-key, because I was listening, and I'm like, okay, this is how you do it. And I would do crazy things not to get caught. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I would do things like, uh, you know, I would go to uh, Kmart, and I would sit down at Kmart sometimes, and I would eat breakfast there, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's not a breakfast spot. But that's it. Yeah, so that's I would it. eat breakfast there, be low-key, and I watch, and I see how people dress. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know how uh, people that work, like, stocking and stuff, they have, yeah, like, yeah, a back yeah, brace. Yeah, yeah. Apron. yeah, you know what I did? I was like, I'm going to buy me a back brace. I'm going to look like a 9 to 5 type of dude. So oh. when I jump out of my car, you, you don't see a drug dealer. Wow. <laughs> you see a guy with a back brace. He just got off work. So when the police officer, when I'm making a delivery, you know what I mean? And I'm going to some apartments or something like that, and I'm, I got to go see a client. When they see me with a back brace on He's working. Mm. They automatically look at me and say, that's a nine to five dude. And that's what I want you to see. 
If I got some people that are trying to rob me or someone that's trying to, you know, do something shady, mm-hmm. they see that back brace. And even if I'm going to a house where they know these people consume drugs, they're like, he must be a family member. Like, who is he? Mm-hmm. He's a nine to five. He's confusing everybody. Exactly. And I thought that if I could be smart like that, you know, like use all of the game that I learned from people in jail, people that I've met that have done like years behind bars, you get what I mean? About to get released and they're giving me game and they're telling me, do this, do that. If I do all of that, I'm thinking, you know what? Foolproof plan, I'm good. But it's not like that. Mm. It's not like that. You mm. can be as smart as you want to be. There's always going to be a place where you slip up. Mm-hmm. So, so. I mean, looking at looking at everything that uh, listening to everything you're telling us today, and I I, I know you you have a couple of books. This the your first book that you wrote was the um, Pen of a Ready Writer. That's it. That was the volume one, and then yeah. you, you have the second book, which is the Broken Crayon, Crayon Still, Still Color. Yeah. So looking at these two books, first of all, what inspired you to write these books? First and foremost, this book was. Um, you know, that, that first book, I wrote that book because I wanted to bring what I had on the inside out. It's called Pin of a Ready Writer, Volume awesome. 1. It's available on Amazon and different places in Montreal. But the driving force behind that book was entrepreneurship and at the same time, self-expression. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to different places. I'm performing poetry and stuff. And people are like, yeah, have a nice day. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Have that's a nice it. day. Nice to meet you. That's it. And I'm like, nah. Need the bread. No, 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 no. Mm. Because I was an entrepreneur since I was like 12 years old. Mm. You know, and then as I got older, I just had the wrong product. Mm. So mm. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sell myself. Mm. This is me. I, I know that I have value that I want to bring and I want to share with the world. Mm. But, but you have some deep, deep thoughts that, that you put together to write these books and, and listening to your background before yeah necessarily defining you of who you are as per how you grew up but then there was a period of that transition because obviously we have listeners listening to us today and they you know some people will be caught in a particular situation they think they have it worse and they can't get out yeah and they think you know what my life is done in your case most people will settle and say you know what this is all that i know i'm not even going to try to be a better version of me but not only did you make that change, but literally the spectrum to which you went is just far beyond. We cannot even measure mm-hmm. who you are today and who you were before. And this is a big shift. So we want to understand, like for people listening, what, what was the drive? What got you to make that switch? Well, I never, you know, even when I made the switch, I never thought about like, oh, I want to write a book or... You know, I want to do a movie about my life, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. That never came to my mind. You get what I'm trying to say? What came to my mind was I just want to shift. So while I was in Miami, interesting enough, you asked me, like, you know, about shifting and if I had to move from my community. That's it. At first, I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, when it, like, at the time, I was moving half a kilo of cocaine a week, making about 10 grand a week. Wow. You get me? And, um, you know, me and my partners or whatever were doing what we do. And then the main person that I was with, he got deported, got sent to Haiti. You get me? The person that was like my plug, as they say now, he got deported, got sent to Haiti. But I was a couple of years later. I just knew that it was my time to stop. I met a comedian by the name of Larry Dog. Okay. You know, Larry Dog, he's been on Comic View, mm-hmm. very popular poet in Miami, Florida. 
he had an open mic show and he invited us to come and I used to rap before. Cool. Yeah. So and he pulled me to the side. He's been some done some time in prison for like trafficking or something, whatever. And you know, he pulled me to the side and he he put me in a position where I could not sell drugs. Like wow. he would be like, yo, if you want to, you know, I got this show, that show, that show, come with me, let's promote it. But if you want to, you know, you can't have no drugs on you. I went to prison. Mm-hmm. Like my name is clear. So let's just make that, you know, clear. And I'm like, so okay, cool. Yeah. So that kind of like drew me away from my phone because my phone was always blowing up, right. you know, and it's like nonstop. So he pulled me to the side. I embraced music. But at the same time, where I was at that moment, it's like, yeah, I, I want to do this music stuff, man, but I got to make money, you know? Right. Like, you know what so I that mean? was the motivation. Literally, yeah. your motivation was to get the money. Yeah, because I'm like, yeah, like, I'm in the studio all the time, but while I'm there, I got people calling me. So sometimes I would be in the studio, I do my thing, go do a delivery and come back. Mm. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. And yeah. I think that segues perfectly in, into the next question. You talked a lot about uh, the the two different circumstances. You know, your circumstance in Miami versus your circumstance here. Uh, we like to think that you're a product of our of your own community. Um, so, would you say that the change was sort of instantiated by who were you who you were hanging out with on average, and how did that transition happen, and how does that tr- uh, translate to who you're trying to get to with your books, right? Okay. Uh, because you've probably been in that situation and you're like, I can help these people because I've actually lived what they're living. So did that have anything to play in your books and what you're trying to attempt to do with your voice now? Yes. So to answer your question, Frank, I'd say, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I made the change in Miami. I right. stopped selling drugs. Yeah. I didn't have my papers, so mm-hmm. I couldn't get a job. Mm-hmm. So I got an auction license and started selling cars, took some time, took a little bit of money, started selling clothes, shoes, perfume out of my car. And, oh. I, and I didn't even care. Like, I just felt good knowing that right. I wasn't selling drugs. Sure. I felt amazing knowing that I was doing something positive. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that peace, like, I would see correctional officers, like, because I would, like, you know, go to the mall and just pass out business cards and bring people to my car. I would just... Be on the road all day. And I loved it because I felt like I was selling drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt good. I got that same high, you know. Right, right, right. Of like moving that around. Hustle. That hustle. Yeah. And I loved it. And uh, sometimes I would see correctional officers. Mm. You know, and they would see me and I'm like, listen, man, I changed, man. Look at what I'm doing. And they would be so happy. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And that feeling to like. so encouraging. So you, you got to a point you knew them, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They knew me. They knew me, wow. you know. And. That feeling, it feels yeah. so good. Right. So is that what you were trying to give through your books? To get Before I get there, it's like, but my community, I realized that I changed, but my community was ideal for my failure at oh, that moment. Oh, right. Because Beauty, I was, I was too, people knew, people could not disassociate me from drugs at that mm, point. It. So it's like, they see me riding around. You know, yeah, he's selling clothes. He's going to come back. Yeah, he's, he's, come back. Just, yeah. he's still selling. Before. He's being low-key, man. Mm. He's smart, man. He's trying to, you know, finesse his way through. And because of that, you know, I almost died. People robbed me, got carjacked. And then at that point, I was like, you know what? I need to get out. I need to get out. And my, I, I have, like, I could literally pull out minimum 10, 15 letters that I would get when I would be incarcerated for my mother 
ex-girlfriends, my friends writing me letters telling me, yo, you need to move to Montreal. Right. I got postcards in my room I could pull out and show you. Wow. Like, really? That my, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that my sister used to write me all the time and tell me, you need to get out of there. Like, showing me postcards of Montreal in the autumn, you know, different things mm -hmm. to like motivate me to come here but I'm like I've never been to Montreal too cold yeah. <laughs> I mean have you known before <laughs> too late now no but I'm like coming from Miami like who wants to be in Montreal man? that's it that's who it, wants that's to be it. in Canada period right that's it, that's it, that's like it, coming it. from like Miami to yeah I I agree with that yeah <laughs> and, and it's it's funny because when we started this whole my community my home one of the things that we we, we discussed was the whole aspect of you know a community doesn't have to be Like, you know, you say, I live in La Salle, I live in yeah. West Island. Mm -hmm. But a community could be just in your home. You know? Yeah, in that's true. I agree. I agree. That's another... Everything can be a community at work. It has to school. Start. Anything that influences your behavior, you know, what you do on a daily basis, this is where you're drawing most of your power from, and I call that your community. Because... Mm -hmm. You mentioned, you know, your parents and you, you still kept records of those. Why? Oh, yeah, Because yeah. it means a lot to you mm -hmm. for you to make, make that transition from Florida to here. Not that saying that Florida was bad, but then obviously for your destiny to continue, you needed to be unplugged from a particular situation and be plugged in a new mm -hmm. one. Exactly. And, and obviously the new one that you plugged in, you don't know anyone in Montreal. And so you have to figure out how you're going to make a living. And of mm -hmm. course, you started feeling great selling all these good products, and that will segue right away to today, where you are today. Because I know you're all over the on the social media, you're on CBC, you're all on the news channels. And one thing that I read in um, in your bio that you sent at the end, you you were saying you were going around not necessarily trying to promote this bad behaviors, but you said something. You said a broken crayon. Still, still color. color yeah and and you know i had to sit down for a second i'm like man this is deep you know and and for you to be able to go through all this and come out with that for me i i still believe that mm -hmm. there was a period of transition oh yeah you might not have seen it but it, it it did happen because it just did propel you and and so to kind of basically go on the angle of a little bit of motivation for people that are listening And sometimes they, they think, again, my back is, you know, against the wall. There's nothing in my community. Nobody cares about me. There's nothing that, you know, I can do. I cannot mm -hmm. become a better version of me. Mm -hmm. You know, what would be your advice to those people? Because you oh. mentioned it. You said you made that change. Mm -hmm. So what would be your advice to those people? The only person that is in a better position than you is the person that has the same situation but a better perspective. Mm. And how do you find that person? Uh, easy. Like, you know, I, I wrote it. I can't remember how I wrote it down. But it's like that same burden that you have with the right perspective, you'll see that it's a blessing. Mm. You <laughs> get what I mean? The lack of resources that you feel like you're, you're, you're living in, with the right perspective, you'll see that you, you just, you have so many opportunities. But are you willing and are you willing enough and are you humble enough? To use those opportunities. That's another problem too. You know, sometimes when your back is against the wall, sometimes the bigger problem is your pride. Mm. And not necessarily the situation the in country. itself. Because you need help. Mm -hmm. Which puts you in a vulnerable place. So I feel like, yeah, your back is against the wall. But how humble are you to mm. fall down? How humble are you to tell people, look man, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm up to here. Yeah. Save me.